Welcome to the Group Practice Exchange Podcast, a podcast for psychotherapy group practice owners. I'm your host, Maureen Warbach. This episode is sponsored by my membership community called The Exchange. The Exchange is a membership website that has group practice business development resources. It has pre-recorded trainings every month, live Q&As by myself and three other experts in the field so you can get your one-on-one questions answered, Facebook live trainings, accountability groups, and expert interviews. We've got a ton of resources and new things are added to the library every single month. Learn more and sign up at www.members.thegrouppracticeexchange.com forward slash exchange. See you in there. And we're back with another episode of the Group Practice Exchange podcast with Maureen Werbach. Today is another Ask Me Anything day. So I've got Annie Wright who wrote to me and asked me a few questions relating to hiring and onboarding. So Annie Wright of Evergreen Counseling in California asked, should you find someone like you when you go to hire your first therapist? I have a few different thoughts on this. And so I'm going to start with the basic. You want to first look at what your vision and mission for your group practice is. If you are looking for someone, um, you want to have a group practice that focuses on maternal mental health, then it's likely that you're going to be hiring people who are similar to you, at least in the fact that they have the same specialty as you. If you're hiring going to be having a multidisciplinary group practice similar to what I have, then you might not necessarily have people who have similar specialties as you. I don't work with kids, but I have child therapists. I have people who do EMDR, uh, tons of different specialties. So you want to look first at what your vision is for your group practice, what you want it to look like. And it might give you a few hints as to whether having someone who's similar to you in specialty or personality is important. Um, The second thing is there's this really great book called How the World Sees You by Sally Hogshead. And I read this book a few years ago and it had a lot of really great points when it comes to hiring people who are similar to you. And this, this translates over into any field of work and any line of business. But essentially what she was saying is that if you hire people who are similar to you in terms of personality and strengths and characteristics, you're going to be heavy handed on one end, right? If you have the strength in marketing and you have people who are really great um, speakers and networkers and marketers as therapists, then you're going to be heavy handed on that end. But um, if your strength is not in Um, let's say staff management or communicating within the office and you hire people who are similar to you in that they kind of stay in their offices and they don't communicate with each other, then you're going to, you're going to really see those, that lack in strength. And so what the book essentially says is that you really want to know your areas of strength and your areas of weakness as a leader, but also just as a person, because a really well-rounded business any business is when you have people that have some varying personalities and varying characteristics so that where you don't have a strength and yes, as group practice owners, we don't have to have strengths in every area of our group practice. We can lean on people who have strengths in areas that we don't. Um, And so I recommend reading that book because it helps you actually figure out where your strengths lie and where um, you don't have strength so that you can look for people who 
maybe carry some of those other strengths. Now, obviously, in terms of personality, um, if you're a more timid group practice owner, it can be sort of an abrupt uh, change to your normal day to hire someone who's very outgoing, very outspoken, kind of in your face in a way. And so personality characteristics is something important to consider because it plays a role in the dynamics between yourself and your staff and between your staff. But when it comes to someone who's like you, and I'm taking this as specialty, and I'm also taking this as strengths and weaknesses as a person, um, I tend to find that within specialty areas, looking at your vision is first and foremost, because obviously it's going to lead you in one direction or the other. But when it comes to strengths and weaknesses, which I think we don't really look at, it's important to have a well-rounded team so that if you grow to a point where you need to have that extra support, you have someone on your team who can potentially take that role on. All right. So that's the first question. Should you find someone who's similar to you? Uh, She also asks, when hiring someone who doesn't have depth therapy experience, and I guess we can translate that to other um, therapy styles if you're um, a couples therapist group practice, if you hire someone who doesn't have that experience, um, how can you support them in that? And one of the first things that I like to suggest is to have in-depth training, an in-depth training period in the beginning when you first hire them. And I'd like to say the first six months. Now, if you hire employees, it's really important to note the three-month probationary period that most of us in most of our states have, um, and just to make sure that you're even doing even more training during those first three months so you can see before that probationary period ends um, whether or not the person is really a good fit for your practice. But um, not looking at whether or not someone's good for your practice, but more for support and training, is having that in-depth training period for I would say about six months. Some people go a little bit longer than that, but at least six months where they're getting more than just um, once a week supervision or check-ins. And this can look different depending on your needs, depending on how much time you have to spend with them. Um, But you want to make sure that you have something in place that's written out and organized that um, gives them that extra, that extra step that they're, they're going to need to be able to provide either that depth therapy or couples therapy in a way that is congruent with your group practice and makes you feel good about the, the services that they're offering. Beyond that, um, it's really important to have ongoing and consistent supervision, especially if you have W-2s, if you have employees. If you have independent contractors, it's going to look a little bit different because you can't really be offering that supervision. But you can, during that interview process, see if those people have supervisors that they're getting supervision from it from. And if they're not, it helps you know that they're likely not going to be uh, investing in getting that extra supervision with someone. But if you have employees, I really recommend, and even if it's not for getting supervision for any sort of depth work, but just as a, a way of offering this additional benefit is to provide ongoing consistent supervision. We do once a month group uh, staff case consultation where everyone can get the supervision with each other and kind of um, get peer support. And I have a clinical director who is available at any time for a clinician to get supervision should they need it. But if you are um, hiring someone who maybe doesn't have the full experience that you want them to have, providing some sort of ongoing and consistent weekly supervision, either in person, you can do it on Zoom or on Skype as well. Um, You can also offer, if you have another clinician who is well-versed 
for them to be able to provide supervision. It's a way to give them a sort of promotion in a sense, but also take some of that weight off of you to always be offering that supervision. But the key with this is that it's ongoing and consistent and it's really easy for practice owners to start prioritizing other things and put that on the wayside. Uh, the next thing that I am thinking about when it comes to helping people who maybe don't have the full experience that you need them to have but they're willing to is to pay for or suggest outside training. It's really important to me as a group practice owner that the trainings that my clinicians go to are valuable. And so since I don't pay for every training that they go to, they might be going to $30 trainings that are kind of done by hospitals where it might be just a newly licensed ther therapist providing that um, that training. What I do is every quarter I either have someone come in uh, from the outside or I pay for a DVD set and I get it by someone who I value their information. Like last month we just did the IFS, um, the level one sort of training and it was by the author and the founder of IFS, Internal Family Systems, because I value really getting training by the people who made that theory, just like I did with Gottman. Uh, that's important to me. And so I'm willing to invest in paying for the DVDs, uh, which was maybe 200 bucks, and paying for the CEUs with PESI. You can pay 10 to $20 per CEU uh, to be able to have all of your clinicians get those CEUs, which is a great way to invest in them, but also incentivize them to come. But that's another way that you can provide extra support is potentially being able to make find trainings that are outside of your office or bring a training into your office. And there's really easy ways to make it so that it's not a huge cost out of pocket, similar to what I do each quarter with the uh, DVD trainings with PESI is I find ones that are, I look at the date, make sure that they are newer and not from 2013 or 2012, but ones that are from 2016, 17, or this year. And then I make sure that it's by the author or the founder of that theory or someone who's well-respected within that uh, theory. And then I pay for those CEUs because it's really not a huge investment. And you get to have the DVDs forever. So, you know, five years down the line when you might have a few new therapists, you can also replay that DVD, pay 10 or 15 bucks for CEUs. And you can do it in the office. It's great, collaborative. You can order lunch. It's a really nice experience. And so that's another way to be able to offer something to them in terms of getting them more experienced in a certain uh, specialty that you want them to have. Um, I, we also mentioned other things like taping sessions, which is great if you have W-2s, not so great if you have independent contractors, you can't really do that. Providing group supervision or process groups is a really great, uh, alternative to the one-on-one -on -one supervision that you might be giving them. As we all know, groups are super powerful. And so if there are enough staff that you can have a small group where they can do some peer supervision or processing, it's a great alternative to just doing this one-on-one -on -one work and you kind of kill more birds with one stone than meeting with each person individually as well. And that's something that's really great in addition to one-on-one -on -one supervision. And as they get more training, you can let go of the weekly supervision and just have those process groups or group supervision. All right. Uh, okay. The next question she has is, how do you compete with large groups who offer more to their employees? I This is a question I get asked a lot because smaller group practices don't have the ability to offer 
all of the benefits and incentives that larger group practices have. I went through this as well when I was smaller. I only was able to pay for them seeing clients. And each year I would add one more incentive because it became easier. I was able to see my financials, really know my projections and know what I could afford. And I don't suggest having a ton of benefits when you first start because you want to see what the income actually looks like after operating expenses and all that. And so how do you compete with large groups when you're new? Some of the things is that there are non-financial incentives like offering employee-funded health insurance where the employees pay but they get a huge saving on, savings on their taxes, offering free group or individual supervision, case consult, peer case consults, things like just being able to offer lunches and having a good work culture that you can say you guys have as a group is is important. But there's other things as well. So not everyone wants to be a part of a huge group practice. They want to be part of something small. We all know that the smaller something is in terms of a business, the more time usually the business and the group owner has for those people individually. And so making sure that you highlight that you have a boutique style or family style or collaborative group practice really goes a long way. Much larger group practices have a harder time doing this. And so it's something that you can really use as an incentive for people who aren't only financially minded, right? Not everyone is looking for the highest dollar amount. Yes, people want to make good money, but people are also looking for quality relationships, having a good work environment. If you have a small group practice where you have not a lot of clinician, um, like clinicians leaving, you can highlight the fact that you've had your staff since you started your group practice. I mean, you can look at where the strengths are within your group practice and just highlight those in the interview process. And that will bring in the people that are meant to be in your practice. And as time goes, as you grow, as you have more time under your belt as a group practice owner, you're going to be able to start offering a few of those uh, financial incentives and become a little bit more on par financially compensation-wise as these larger group practices. All right. Her last question. After your first therapist, when should you continue hiring? Um, I've answered this one before, and it sort of, she asked specifically related to after your first therapist. So what I would say is, for the most part, waiting until they're about 50% full to start looking for another clinician and hiring when that first clinician's around 75% full is really a great sort of marker to, to think about. Now, obviously, if you're more risk-minded, you might do it, you know, hire two people at once. If you have a lot of time on your hands as a group practice owner and you can onboard, interview, onboard, hire, train, and all that multiple people at once, you might be able to do that. But if you want the safest route, the least risk route, then my suggestion is when your first clinician is around 50%, start looking. I know it takes a little bit of time usually to find a good therapist, And when that first therapist is around 75% full, you can bring that new person on. You have to onboard them. It takes a little bit of time. And hopefully your first clinician is closer, sorry, (coughs) closer to 80 or 85% full by the time that second person would start. The larger your group practice gets, the more clinicians you have, the easier it is to hire multiple people at once. I hired one person first. I wanted to see what it was like, see if I knew what I was doing, see if I could actually fill a person. And then afterwards, I think I hired two or three people within the same month. Um, And they had different specialties. That plays a role too. If you're hiring people all with the same specialty, 
you might um, get a sense of resentment or pushback from your staff if they see that other therapists that have the same specialty as them are being hired before they're full. And so you want to take that into consideration. If you're hiring people with different specialties, then they shouldn't really be stepping on each other's toes when it comes to referrals that come into your office that you would be delegating out to your staff. So it's that's something else to think about is if you are hiring a child therapist and your first therapist was a couple therapist, then your couple therapist is likely not going to feel resentful. You're likely not going to have as hard of a time because your couples will still be going to that first person and the kids can start going to the second person. So hopefully these answers helped you guys out. Um, Next week, I'll be doing another interview set of questions. I have a few people who emailed me with some questions. So I'm going to be doing this for the next few weeks. And hopefully the information and the questions and answers that I give are helpful to you guys. So I will see you next week. Have a good one.